episode 127, The Ins and Outs of Providers Becoming Payer Providers. Today, I speak with Chris Smith, MD, MPP, and the Chief Medical Officer over at CareConnect. He's also the Senior VP of Population Health Management at Northwell Health and the Medical Director of Health Solutions at Northwell Health. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. I never thought I'd say this, but I wish there was an acronym for providers who have become payer providers. Such a mouthful. Today I speak with Dr. Chris Smith, who is, amongst his other day jobs over at Northwell Health, the chief medical officer of CareConnect. CareConnect is Northwell Health's foray into the payer provider space. And they've learned some lessons over the past four years, to say the least, which I discuss with Chris today. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Chris. Hi, Stacey. Thank you for having me. Let's talk about Care Connect. How did it come into being? What, what do you got going on over there? Care Connect has been around for nearly four years, uh, and it started as a, an idea from our CEO here at Northwell Health as a way to have a different offering for patients and our communities and to enable us as healthcare providers to take care of patients differently. Now you're kind of one of those hybrid provider payers. Yeah, exactly. So Northwell Health is a large provider organization. We uh, are about 20 hospitals strong in downstate New York, in New York City, Westchester, and Long Island. Um, And we made a decision that it would be advantageous to our patients and our families that we take care of if we were also able to be in the insurance market, because that would enable us to have a, a different relationship between patients than is typical for an insurance company. What was going on that the CEO thought that this might be a wise move? So I think that there's a couple of things that were happening at the time. As you know, the Affordable Care Act had made it easier for uh, new entrants into the insurance market. And so that was something that we wanted to take advantage of. And then we've long thought that if we were to have control over the premium dollar, that we could invest differently in how we took care of patients, how we engaged patients and families and that we would have more flexibility than if we weren't the insurer taking the premium. It's kind of a bold move. What are the things that you thought about before wading in here? Was there something that gave the executive team pause, or was it kind of full steam ahead, let's just do this thing? Yes, it definitely was a bold move. And I think as we've gone through the hard work of standing up the insurance company, we've really realized how how bold it was in hindsight. But I think that as an organization, Northwell has always been an organization that's been pushing the envelope of finding different ways to provide better health care, providing different ways of structuring ourselves so that we have the resources and the alignment to take better care of patients. So it's very much a, a part of our DNA to make these bold plays. And I think that what our executive team was also thinking was that in order to really move a large organization forward, you needed something like Care Connect to really uh, push us to be different. 
And so what I mean by that is for a long time, we've been endeavoring to change our relationship with our patients and families and communities from the traditional transactional relationship that is fostered by fee-for-service into something different, more durable, more longitudinal, where we really are are invested in the total outcomes for the patient, not just the outcomes for that individual interaction. And starting an insurance company really accelerated the rethinking of our relationships with patients and families. Just to nail down a couple of specifics here, Mm -hmm. this is not Medicare. So this is going to be a plan which is designed for those who might, in other circumstances, be shopping around for regular commercial insurance. Exactly. Exactly. So this is a, a commercial insurance product that's aimed at individuals. It's aimed at people who work for small companies and large companies who would be shopping around for the Aetnas or the Uniteds of the world. We have a different product for them. How does this ultimately benefit the patient? Or what was the goal there relative to the patient? You just mentioned longitudinal data, but you know, ultimately, what does that add up to? So I think there's a couple of different ways in which we've tried to see uh, healthcare and insurance differently. If you, you come onto our website, if you're a, a member with CareConnect, or even if you're just looking for information on insurance, we believe here at CareConnect very deeply in helping to simplify healthcare for our membership. And, and what I mean by that, as, as many people who are listening will know, is that healthcare is pretty confusing. It's pretty challenging to navigate. Um, and here at CareConnect, we've taken a very simple principle that we will do whatever you need to make sure that you get access to the healthcare you need in a timely manner. And so we have a very customer service focused model, a very high touch model. You can call our our company anytime, 24-7, and we will help to connect you with the care that you need in a timely manner. So it's it's a very different model than some of the other insurance companies, and we're really trying to simplify healthcare. The audience of this show is primarily healthcare executives and stakeholders. So what mm-hmm. you just described sounds, you know, and I'm just thinking about it like a business person. Hmm, I'm thinking I got to have a 24/7 call center and that sounds expensive. Because now you're not only serving patients at the provider level, you've got this sort of payer overlay. Is it an economy of scale that you can just set up one call center and if somebody was basically calling a provider, they can get triaged right over to the payer so you've got you're able to amortize fixed costs? Or did you realize in the course of this that somebody calling a payer has very, very different aims and ambitions than somebody calling a provider? So basically, not so much with the economy of scale thing. There's a couple of parts to answer that question. The first is we are no different from every startup insurance company in that you need to get a certain number of membership to, to get to scale um, and to distribute your costs over, over your premium. And so we definitely needed to get, like many insurance companies, above 75,000 members to be able to, to foresee a place where the, the premium that we were collecting would cover our costs. But in terms of efficiencies, there are certainly efficiencies for being a part of a provider organization. While we still serve as the first point of contact for our members when they have a question, our ability to work with Northwell, if a member calls up and says, listen, you know, I'm having a problem and, I, and it sounds like I might need to see 
uh, a neurologist. We have the ability very quickly to take that call, warm transfer it over to our patient access center on the delivery side and get that member an appointment within days. Uh, and that process, if, if the member tried to navigate that themselves, you know, might take a much longer time and might, might be much more frustrating. But we're able to resolve that very quickly for the member because of our customer service ethos at CareConnect and because of our relationship with Northwell's providers. Is every provider in Northwell sort of de facto a provider for CareConnect? Yes, every one of our employed providers is a part of the CareConnect network and are very excited to be. You know, this is, I think, also exciting for the providers to figure out how to partner with a different kind of payer, how to figure out how to jointly come together to decide what is the right care at the right time for patients. And so, yes, all of our employed Northwell providers are in the CareConnect network. What are some other kind of maybe classic payer difficulties that go away or are mitigated to some degree by the fact that you're a payer provider. Is there a name for payer provider integrated plans at this point? I just want to make sure I'm up on jargon or is it just payer provider? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we refer to ourselves as, uh, you know, payer uh, provider born health plans or payer provider health plans. The, the industry hasn't settled on a, a specific moniker, but um, in terms of the you know, the traditional relationship between payers and providers, as, as you can imagine, is payers get premium, profits are determined by their ability to hold on to their premium, uh, providers would, would like more services rather than less, and so there's sort of a natural tension there. And that tension is realized through things like an authorization process, where uh, a provider will make a determination at the point of care, meaning when they're looking across their desk at a patient, that a patient needs a service. And then there'll be the challenge of having an insurance company decide that that service isn't actually needed. I think here at CareConnect, what we appreciate is that our providers are the ones who have invested in, in starting up this, this new venture. And so we have a very different customer service ethos about resolving any requests for care as quickly as possible. And we incrementally, quarter over quarter, work to actually remove any authorization process for medical care as we partner with the provider community to agree upon a, a joint set of standards for what warrants the right reason to get an MRI of the knee, for example. And if we can agree with our providers that it's these sets of criteria, then we can just say if one of our providers orders an MRI, we trust our providers and we don't even need to put up any administrative barriers to patients and providers getting that care realized. One of the things which I have been a part of personally, as well as just seen the, I was going to say eyeball rolling. I, I don't mean, and I maybe that's not the right terminology to use, but just no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I've, Let's hear it. I've been in these meetings where, where Groups of physicians attempt to align around mm -hmm. a single standard of care. And I have, generally speaking, let's just say it's a process. If you're thinking about this from a population health management standpoint, and you're thinking mm -hmm. about, you know, the average patient, there probably is a standard of care. But there's always going to be outliers and there's always going to be, let's just say, intense discussions about what the standard of care really should be, you know, for, for all kinds of, of reasons. So I can see that what you're saying, 
while it's certainly the right aspiration, it would be very difficult in practice. What have you learned? You know, is that true in your experience? And and what are you doing in to to make that actually go forward? Yeah, so I, I completely agree that it rolls off the tongue easy, but is uh, very challenging to operationalize. So I think that there's a couple of things that you know are always happening in medicine. The evidence is always changing. It's always getting more robust with new treatments. And so we have to acknowledge that the work of a partnership between a payer and provider is never done and is always a journey together. You have to set up the right communication channels and the right structure. Um, so you have to be able to access the right specialist to determine what is actually the best course of treatment for patients in general, as you said, from a population health standpoint, but also when there's an exception. How, how do you have a process for making sure that your standards allow for uh, the unexpected? And I think that that is something that we work on every day, and it's through a lot of conversation, and we're really in the beginning of that journey together. But again, having a payer as part of our provider organization really accelerates the need to get that right. What does that look like right now? Do you have maybe a team or a board of specialists for every representative specialist for each subject matter domain or specialty? Like, how are you doing it? Fortunately, on the provider side, we have obviously expertise across uh, any any clinical question you could ask. And so, you know, there's both a formal and informal. So informally, I can call up any of the chairs of different departments to discuss cases, to try and find solutions to unique problems and to find access for patients who, who need specialized services. I think as we come together around standard setting, that's a more formal process where we have physician advisors who come together with our medical leadership on the Care Connect side, review the evidence, and begin to develop that core of what constitutes the Care Connect Northwell way. Um, but that process is a physician advisor group that comes together, supported obviously by project management and administrative support. You are the medical director over at, at Care Connect. Yes, I'm so, the chief medical officer. Yeah, so you're overseeing this whole journey. Yes. Journey. The journey. Thank yes. you. You know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day that put population health management and precision medicine at a counterpoint. You know, mm-hmm. like they're opposite ends of this this continuum. And and I certainly could wade into that fray and and take the opposite standpoint. But based on what you're saying, especially if you're trying to figure out how you're going to upfront standardize the care, I mean, it's kind of like a first time right approach. How do you get everybody kind of on the same page up front so that you don't have to manage it on the back end while patients are waiting for the test or whatever they're waiting for? How are you sort of folding in precision medicine aspects into that standard of care? I don't think that there's a conflict between those two ideas. I think that you have to think about population health as a tool for getting to a more precise plan for each individual patient. And what I mean by that is population health is about identifying patients who need particular services, need some extra support. Once you identify those groups, then you have to actually go down to the individual patient level and try and understand if this patient is at risk for going to the emergency room, what specifically is driving that risk? And that's different for every single 
patient, every single family. And at, through that discovery of what is uniquely challenging to that patient, you then develop a unique plan of action. Uh, and so I don't think there's really much tension between population health and precision medicine. Because if you're not getting down to something individualized for each at-risk patient, you're just not going to be successful. And I'm thinking right now about Eric Topol, Dr. Eric Topol, who I've seen him speak a number of different occasions. And one of the things that he always brings up, or not always, but let's just say frequently, is the idea of what he calls physician freelancing. A physician who's bounding off the standard of care path because they anecdotally, he talks about in your experience is the most dangerous phrase in medicine. How do you distinguish between somebody who's doing something in their experience versus somebody who has accurately identified what is driving the risk and come up with something which could be classified as evidence-based medicine, just personalized? I think that that is a big challenge allowing, again, the flexibility to identify outliers versus treating everyone as an outlier. Uh, and I think what I've seen in my journey clinically is you'll have physicians who make an argument that they're trying to personalize the care to each individual patient. But when you really look at their practice patterns, what they're doing is they're just providing a non-standard of care treatment plan for everybody um, and calling it a personalized plan. And so I think we need to be vigilant that exceptions should be exceptional and should not be a routine part of the plan of care for a, a provider or a group of providers. I think the challenge with that is that our IT systems and our data um, is really not yet up to the task of understanding what is happening down at that granular clinical level around decision making. And often we don't have a high enough density of patients for any one provider to really make strong suppositions about whether a provider is adhering to standard of care and has found an exception or is just treating everybody differently. And that's why over time, as CareConnect gets bigger, uh, we'll have more observations per provider and we'll be able to make stronger uh, suppositions about whether or not a person is, is providing evidence-based care or just idiosyncratic care. So I'm kind of getting a, a window into how you're spending your day, my friend. <laughs> yes. What, what, are you, what are you doing in the meantime, just kind of trying to set up the standards of care and encourage, you know, socialize those concepts in, in an attempt to get everyone in the absence of, you know, I'm going to say robust metrics, as you're saying, to do the right thing, you know, as per Care Connect, or are there other methodologies that you're deploying in this kind of stopgap place? I think, again, it is it is a journey and, and you pick low hanging fruit where you can get consensus and you drive outcomes in, in those areas. So we work with our provider community, for example, on uh, evidence based diabetes care. Right. There's a lot of evidence about what diabetics should get. It's pretty well accepted. As a result of being of having a, a, an insurance company, we can identify some gaps, uh, and we work to in partnership with our providers to solve for those gaps and to whether it's education to the providers, whether it's process improvement, uh, but it's really got to be collaborative with the delivery system. Not you know, CareConnect doesn't come in and say thou shalt do anything. CareConnect comes in and says here's some interesting information that we've been able to uncover. Um, we think it might be helpful in our collective journey towards a really 
high quality healthcare product. And are you able to do anything directly with the patient? Given that you're able to see things at a more holistic level, you know, like one of the things that Mm -hmm. providers, despite all the interoperability talk, as we all know, it's very Mm -hmm. difficult to share data across providers. It would almost seem Mm -hmm. like because you're also have all the payer data, that Mm -hmm. one of the advantages that you'd have is to be able to see that cross provider information. Mm-hmm. which would seem to enable you to have a closer or to be able to help the patient outside of the care system to either use the care system better or mm-hmm. to manage their, you know, just to, to self-manage or engage outside of the clinical setting. Are you doing anything in that regard? Or are you attempting to or thinking about it? Having all the claims data certainly gives you a different perspective on where patients are seeking care, um, how frequently they're seeking care in a way that is hard to see if you're just wearing your provider hat. So there, there is definitely value to having that, that claims information across space and time. I think where we've learned a lot over the last several years is sort of the question of who takes the responsibility for working with patients who might need something extra as part of their care plan. Um, I think one of the one of the important observations that we've made is that patients really trust their providers. They have a relationship with their providers. And as aggressive as we've been on the Care Connect side in terms of having a, a strong customer service model, when it comes to medical care, clinical decision making, it's best if that is spearheaded by the provider side. And so Care Connect works very collaboratively with the providers to get them to understand that this patient needs uh, an extra medication. But it's not Care Connect telling the patient, it's Care Connect working through the provider and through the provider team to get those patients the care that they need. Because we could call up one of our members and, and offer services or offer suggestions, but they really we get more engagement when it comes from the provider side than from the insurance company side. What is this, you know, working closely with providers look like? Are you sending care reports out and mm-hmm. saying, by the way, just so you know, your your patient showed up over there and did X, Y, and Z, and therefore evidence-based medicine and our new standard of care would suggest that you should do ABC? I don't think we're quite as prescriptive as that, but we have on the provider side programs uh, that are designed to help more complex patients or higher risk patients. So, for example, we have a program for patients who are hospitalized because when you are hospitalized, you're telling us that you have complex medical issues that uh, we need to to help manage and help uh, transition you back out to the community. So, we have nurse and social work teams that will work with the Care Connect member to meet them in the hospital, help them transition back into the community, work with them over the course of a 30-day period to make sure that their medications are clear, that their primary care provider is aware of the hospitalization, make sure that any equipment or anything that was ordered is actually delivered. And then as they're stable back in the community, reconnected to their primary care provider, that service will end and the patient will um, more likely than not, not need to return to the hospital. That's just one example of a program that works really well if it's coming from the provider side because the patients are you know, ready in the hospital. We can get to them and we're able to work with the provider to work with their primary care provider to let them know of a medical event. 
Uh, and we have other programs that are targeting diabetics, for example. If we have a diabetic who's struggling to control their blood sugars, we have a program that will reach out to that member and work with them for two, three, six months, depending on how long they need it, uh, so that they can have better control of their diabetes and that information will get fed back to their primary care provider. And is this something that looks like, you know, from a patient perspective, it's coming through the provider or is that, Mm -hmm. you know, CareConnect branded? It looks like it, it looks and feels like it's coming through the provider, but provided by CareConnect. So it, it, it needs to, if we want to get patients to say yes, because getting patients to say yes to augmented or higher intensity services is uh, part of the the recipe for success. So you need, if you have 100 patients who need extra services, you need to get 75 of them to say yes. And so what the literature would tell you is that it's much more likely for a patient to say yes if they believe that this is coming out of their provider recommendation. But at the same time, we also want our members to know that CareConnect is uniquely invested in making sure that they have a good experience, get the right care at the right time. So they also understand that this is a special service that is provided to them as a result of being a part of the CareConnect family. How are you aligning with physicians around that? In other words, are they being incented? Is there some incentives which are encouraging them to take advantage and support these programs? Well, I think it works from the perspective that most clinicians want the best for their patient. And so if they see that they have a high quality extra offering that they're able to bring to bear for their patients, they're generally just very excited. Um, and then when they hear that they don't have to, uh, they don't have to pay for that service, it's just provided to their patient, they are excited. We don't need to pay them to get their patients into these programs, and nor would we, because those types of little carrots don't really change behavior um, in this space. Behavior is going to be changed by saying, look, we have high quality partners, high quality programs. We're here to help. Um, all we need from you is to remind your patient that it's great to say yes to uh, extra support for managing your diabetes. When we were at the NYEC, mm-hmm. were you the one on stage who said, well, I'm the one that says no to technology pitches. Uh, so, what I what I said was that uh, I certainly get solicited with a lot of uh, solutions, and that it's a it's a field right now that's heavy on promise and not as heavy on outcomes. And so, my job is to make sure that in a in a world of limited resources, that the partners that we choose are partners that can really deliver. And so I, I'm not interested in spending time on ideas. I'm interested in spending time talking to partners who have demonstrated that they can improve the lives, the outcomes, the quality of care for the patients and members and their families that we're responsible for. And what does that look like? Does that look like a pilot program or does that look like you're their second customer, not their first? Often it looks like we're their second customer. And if we're their first customer, then we also have to acknowledge the fact that we're going to contribute as much to the partnership as they will, um, because we have such tremendous experience in, in trying to figure out how to deliver the right care at the right time. So sometimes it's being the, the second client because you've demonstrated real outcomes. But if we are the first client, it has to be a good idea with a good management team, good 
good thinking, um, but there also has to be an acknowledgement that they're going to get as much out of it as from our partnership. And how does that kind of solicitation process work from your perspective? See, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to just streamline everything for everybody here. <laughs> Do you ask to receive like a, a white paper or report or something in advance so that you can even limit the number of providers that technology or just innovation solution vendors? I don't know exactly how to lump yeah. everybody into a category. Well, there's roughly speaking, there's two ways in which this happens. Either, you know, I get um, uh, people who contact me after a conference or because they've gotten in touch with some someone else in our organization who passes them along to me. Or uh, the alternative is I'm looking for a solution and then I have a very formal uh, RFP process. Uh, but you know, at this point, given the amount of noise that there is in the industry with these uh, different solutions for population health problems, if you contact me and you can't give me some data on the success that you've had in the past, whether it's white papers or formal academic publications, without those, there isn't enough time in the day that I'll spend time sitting down with you. So that is the, the way to get entry, is to actually have some data, have it written up such that it uh, is published or is publishable, and then we can have a conversation. Wise words, which I'm sure many will find helpful. It has been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today, Chris. Thank you for having me. It's been great to chat with you. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.